0: You're listening to 2325 Fitness, your favorite health and fitness podcast, with your host, Rafi Hussaini. In this episode, our guest is David Gramlin. David is an ATG coach who teaches the concept of knees over toes method and how it's really important for us to use this method to pull up through our knees, our hamstrings, and the entire lower body. We go over the misconceptions that people have about knees over toes. We go over different types of training techniques and methods that knees over toes teaches us and much more. Enjoy the episode. The guest that we have today, his name is David Gramlin and he is an ATG coach. For those of you that that don't know what ATG is, it's the athletic group that works around knees over toes. You know, that's the concept that there's a lot of misconception, a lot of myths that, you know, your knees should not be going over your toes. But in reality, when you look at your day-to-day activities, squatting, sitting, whatever it is, you would not really be able to move as flexible or as easy without them actually going over your toes. And David specializes in people working on their injuries, coming back from their injuries, rehabbing in a way that as, as they call it in their bulletproof hamstrings, bulletproof knees and so on. So David, thank you so much for being here. What got you into this, you know, to learn the ATG group, be a part of the ATG group and what got you started into, you know, knowing how to work around your knees and make them stronger
1: firstly, thank you for having me on. And the real reason that I got into it was because I, like many of the people probably listening, uh, had knee issues. So I had my first knee surgery when I was 14 years old. And my knee pain actually started when I was 12. So fast forward through high school, i had had three knee surgeries, all for torn meniscus. I did two partial repairs, one full repair. Uh, And then I went through college and I was 24 years old, I had graduated from college. I still had knee pain, so over half my life basically. And I stumbled upon the ATG ATG, Athletic Truth Group page on Instagram, I saw Ben, uh, knees over toes guy performing the exercises. And at that point I was desperate. So I decided to sign up, take take a risk, see if it would work. Fell in love with it, uh, trained for about eight months as a member before I asked to become part of the staff. And then that was about 16 months ago, I became an official coach for ATG.
0: That's awesome. So, I mean, as I would assume too, like, so you had a pretty, pretty fair share of injuries throughout your whole life, I would say, right? And did you like, like, just like anyone else, did you go through the whole process of, you know, get injured, get a diagnosed, regular therapy, back and forth, get back into it, then get injured again, you know, repeat the cycle again. Was that something that you kind of like went through before you finally decided that hey now I want to completely be good for for good
1: absolutely I mean so uh summer of eighth grade I got the first surgery um and I did the rehab right and you know when you're young even not when you're young if you have anything you're involved in some sport or some activity that means something to you you just want to get good enough that you can play again right you don't get to a hundred percent so I was getting injured, and then coming back at like 85% to play. And then I would get injured again, get a surgery. And actually, like the the third surgery I had in high school, I knew almost a year prior that I had torn my meniscus again, but I didn't want to miss my basketball or soccer season. So I just played that whole year with the torn meniscus and got the surgery later. Um, But definitely, I was a, a secular uh, uh, injury like just constantly on the injury table and coming back and then getting injured again
0: that's interesting and and I think that's one thing that I have which I decided at this point is like my injuries have been accumulated over the past eight nine years I've had partial ACL tears meniscus tears and so on and finally you know like so many years later I decided you know what I'm gonna get the surgery done and actually before I Even got my surgery, and I was going through the first, is what the it's the standard phase, right? Of the KOT program. The first Uh, one, zero, zero, zero. Yeah, the zero phase of the KOT program. So I was going through it and it was working fine, but then I already had prior injuries, so there's not much that could have been done. Playing volleyball kind of aggravated the torn meniscus. My knee wouldn't straighten out, and I had to go under the needle, so I had to get that done. But now I realize that, you know, like over as you just mentioned, over the past eight, nine years, that's exactly what I was doing go to therapy get back, start playing with a brace on, brace comes off, play off, and then get injured again in the cycle. So I'm really excited to be here, you know, just to learn from you that how, you know, day-to-day living is such a huge factor, you know, for people like even not sports, you know, like people when in, when they get old, a lot of natural uh, habits that cause their knee to, you know, come under stress. And eventually they give out like knee replacements and all that. So, just to give an idea of what is, I mean, I know we mentioned, you know, knees over toes, it's, it's a concept, it's a program. But what is knees over toes actually? You know, like when you explain to someone or when you hear her first about it, and what is an ATG go- coach exactly that which you're yourself?
1: Yeah. So, knees over toes, the philosophy is that our knees will be more protected when we train them to be strong over our toes, right? So, as you mentioned in the beginning, your life, whether you want it to be or not, is going to involve a lot of knees over toes action. So the best way to be prepared for that is to train your knees over your toes in your actual training program. So that's why it's such a big focus for us. Um, And ATG, we are a fully online uh, studio, fitness studio. So we have over 30,000 members and we have a team of coaches that grade your form so see the videos you send in and also answer your messages any questions you may have concerns um anything that you may deal with absolutely anything at all you can message us and talk to us so that we can um you know help you out in whatever way you need and then the kind of the process for me becoming an ATG coach is we all have to be able to demonstrate mastery of the system with ourselves and with at least another person uh, to show that not only can we uh, live it but we can also
0: coach it that's really awesome and like it's very rare to find such systems where you're not like in person and getting so many results you know a lot of these trainers a lot of fitness people they'll give you a generic program and be like hey you're good you know but the kot program is so like foolproof that you know you kind of like built on and i know that ben always mentions, you know there's a pain-free level that you gotta get to before you move on to the next stage. so that's, that's really cool now, I know that, you know, like knees over toes is like a, a like a huge debate over the past years. You know, a lot of people say when you squat, don't go deep when you, you know, do a lunge, don't go deep. So what are some of the, the myths, you know, that you've probably uncovered yourself or like seem to see that, hey, this is not true at all. When you started getting more involved, with the knees over toes concept.
1: Yeah, so a big one was um, there's a study from Duke University in 1978 that showed that when your knees go over your toes there's an increase it was it was 26 or 29 percent increase in pressure like around your knees right which is totally true but what happened is this study became uh uh, this study became used to stop people from having their knees go over their toes in the training because people thought well it's so dangerous you know that's, that's such a big increase in pressure we shouldn't allow people's knees to go over their toes in training so whether it all directly came back to the study or the study was just the beginning of this kind of thinking. Uh, After that point, then these cues, you know, when you're squatting to sit on your heels and keep your knees from behind your toes, things like this, it just became prevalent in everyone's training. So I thought like everyone else that it was inherently more dangerous to have your knees go over your toes during training. Uh, But it's not because your knees, like any other part of your body and the muscles that support your knees can handle and adapt to any type of stress. So that's where the regression, the pain-free level is important because if you find the right level, then knees over toes training is not only not dangerous, but it will become beneficial because you become stronger in the ranges of motion that you are likely to live through. And definitely if you play a sport, you are absolutely going to be playing in knees over toes position. So that was a big one. Was just the knees over toes myth itself, and um, the the prevalence of the idea that your knees going over your toes would be inherently more dangerous than exercise, right? Like exercise in general, there isn't there is a risk when you exercise that you could hurt yourself, but knees over toes is not any more risky than, say, uh, deadlift or um a regular lunge right there's just a risk associated with any type of exercise but when you do it to the level that is fit for you then it is just as good uh, and safe as any other exercise
0: so now when you talk about you know going knees over toes i know there's this atg squats as well you know which is like kind of like a lunge going to a squat with a full range of motion that's how i would put it i don't know the exact Uh, movement for that is but like can you like break that down because that's like one of the unique things that i saw in uh in the program itself that it's not like a common uh common exercise you know a lot of people if you see from the outside they're gonna be like oh that's weird too much of a weird range of motion how are you going so deep so what are your thoughts like could you break down that for the audience it's like what it is exactly and how beneficial is that it is it actually to get into that deep range of motion
1: Yeah. So that's the ATG split squat. And so if you compare it to, let's say like a Bulgarian split squat, right? So the Bulgarian split squat, which people may be familiar with is you have your back leg elevated on a bench, your front leg is on the floor, and then you kind of squat down with your torso upright and your back knee is bending, right? In the ATG split squat, you're going till your hamstring is fully covering your calf in the front leg while keeping your back knee off the ground. So you're lengthening through that back hip flexor, which is a difference compared to the Bulgarian split squat. But then the big difference is in that front leg, you're getting full knee bend, right? Your knee is bending as far as it can. So the reason why that's beneficial is actually there are studies that have shown that knees that go through full bend training actually have thicker tendons. So up to 37% thicker tendons. So the tendon and the ligaments in the knee are also getting worked in the full range of motion in addition to the muscles. So that's important for things like uh, patellar tendonitis, something that people often struggle with. The ATG split squat is a good exercise to use for that because you get the adaptation to the tendons and ligaments, which is internal, as well as the muscles uh, that support your knee, like the quad and, uh, and the glute and things like that.
0: So it's interesting. It's more like to get the complete range of motion and get your muscles to be able to use to that. Because I mean, I guess that's where a lot of these injuries stem from is like stiff muscles or like, you know, when they, when people don't stress them enough. So I guess when we're doing this pretty often, it's going to kind of like, you know, as you mentioned, bulletproof and stabilize it and, and strengthen it pretty much. Now, when you are in this program, and of course um, you have a lot of clients that you work with, how do you break it down to them? You know, like for you, a client comes in with all these notion of like hey you know what I've never squatted past my toes before what am I going to do and when you get into the program like what are some difficulties that you have with them and how do you clear that up? I think one
1: of my favorite things is actually the people who come in super skeptical about the program because uh, that's actually really important. I think having faith in the program eventually is sometimes tied to whether you're willing to doubt whether or not it works. So when they come in doubting whether or not it works, what I'll tell them is, you know, you came to us. So trust us, follow our direction. You know what we're telling you to do and how to do it. And then let your experience be the guide. Are you experiencing changes? Is it working for you? Um, Because if it is, then you'll see those people who used to doubt the hardest will become the strongest proponent for our program because they really uh, went through it and transformed from not believing to becoming believers so i think the big thing that we see in terms of challenges is people not sending in their form so then i we can't tell whether or not they're doing it right or wrong um people doing things outside the program that hurt them but then they enjoy doing But they haven't they won't take a break because a big part of healing right that we talked about. Talked about and touched on earlier is, you know, if you're going to play your sport all the time and that sport bothers your knees, you're working against what the program is trying to do. So sure. getting able to kind of relax and just do what's needed and not any more than that for a period of time, I think that can be a really big challenge.
0: Yeah, and that's really cool because, like, I think for me too, I don't think I would have done KOT 10s because a few of my friends, one of them had a whole program. He went through the whole, you know, zero standard dance and so on. And a few of my other friends, they just fixed their knee issues by just looking at the videos online. And I was like, there has to be something that, that, you know, it's like, you're not going through the whole court and, and it's benefiting you. But I was like, I was definitely one of those people. And I saw so much difference myself that now I'm actually like in a mindset where, and this brings me to the next question is that you're not, I've had my ACL surgery you know, it's a bit the meniscus repair and so on. And I'm, I'm at the physical therapist right now. You, you would advocate for this and of course, Ben does as well. This is a full knee, like a full knee plan, you know, like to strengthen your knees so that you don't get injured again. Why, what makes it so different from any other therapy or any other physical therapist program that, you know, the knee over toes is the way to go. And, also why isn't it being implemented you if you have seen around your therapist you know because you've been through a lot of injuries as well why isn't this something that's being kind of like taken out of because I know there's still a lot of uh, debate still people are a little bit skeptical about it so what are like what have you seen and where is it right now in terms of like progression
1: important for us to talk about so I would say that Uh, the difference, let me start there. So the difference between ATG and physical therapy is not as big of a gap as you would think, because a lot of the exercises we use are used in physical therapy settings, but they're only used in physical therapy settings. So what I mean by that is the physical therapist will use an exercise like the Poliquin step up or the Patrick step up, but they only use it with you at very low weights until you're, 85, 90% good to go. And then you're done with therapy. And then you never do it again. Um, So our philosophy is to take these physical therapy exercises, and not just use them in these therapeutic settings, but to use them as strength exercises to rehab, but also to as they would call like prehab to prevent injury. So we're using some exercises that are already being used in physical therapy. But then we're building on them by adding more weights, or just continuing to do them for a much longer time and progressing them than you would do in therapy. Um, And to your point about, you know, where is physical therapy in terms of the KOT training? How are they interacting right now? We are getting a lot more physical therapists um, as members so that they can use this with their clients. So I think the, the, the world of physical therapy is opening up to the idea of knees over toes. Definitely. It's not when I went through therapy, which would be, you know, Uh, starting 13 years ago, 14 years ago, and going for about six years. It wasn't common. I don't remember doing any knees over toes exercises. So I think the positive sign is that it's changing. More people are open to the idea that this could be something good. I think what's the resistance is one preconditioned programming. If you've been told that it's bad um, and you've been told it over and over and over again, it's very difficult to convince someone that their entire way of thinking about a certain problem could be wrong. Uh, The more they're attached to it, the harder it is. So I think you find the better coaches are more easily, the better therapists are more easily willing to at least accept the possibility. And the coaches who struggle more would be just too attached to that, their idea of what physical therapy is. And so that's that's a big barrier, trying to get past that. And, uh, I think it just looks dangerous, you know, yeah. like to the, <laughs> option, just look bad. You're like, oh man, like care, you know, holding dumbbells and full knee bend. You're like, yeah. no way that can be good for you. And then, but if you look at any indigenous cultures or, or people who have healthy knees, they have the capability to sit on their knees at full bend. They have the capability to sit in deep squats with their knees over their toes. So, uh somehow it's both natural and counterintuitive.
0: Sure, sure. And it's interesting, you mentioned the the culture aspect, because I'm my background's from India, right? And back in India, there, when you use the bathrooms over there, like they have, like, it's kind of like dug out on the floor, you know, like the the one that are not as developed, like back in the rural areas. So there they have to like, you know, (laughs) to use the bathroom, they got like take a full squat, And it's very hard to even like do that in a regular day, you know, for normal people. And as you mentioned, for them, they don't think about it from like a health perspective. But that's the day-to-day living, you know. And if they're okay, then you know, there's definitely like something that's that's working. And now that we're bringing the concepts into health and fitness, it's always gonna be like, oh, I never knew this before. But hey, like you just mentioned, there are people that are already doing this, you know. That's really that's really interesting perspective you brought there. Now I wanted to ask you, David, is that are there any sports right now? Like, you know, because sports is one of the key elements, I would say, you know, apart from day-to-day living, where a lot of like knee movement, knee, knee flexion, you know, mobility and all that stuff comes into play. Are there any sports or any coaches and any specific teams, I suppose, that are kind of like implementing heavily on the KOT method?
1: Yeah, so we've been fortunate to have um, a good number of professional athletes the last I checked, like I got concrete, it was at least 39 professional athletes used the program. I think it's in the 40s now. Um, we do have professional strength coaches from the NFL and the NBA, MMA athletes, NBA, soccer athletes, like MLS athletes, um, skiers. Um, we had a few, I can't give their names, but a few Olympians. Sure. Sure. Uh, that used this program, like at the last Olympics, um, a Olympian who also used nice. the program. So it has been touching all the worlds, uh, basically like all the major sports worlds in uh, the United States, especially have all been touched by the KOT program and the philosophy, whether that be strength coaches, which we've seen a good number of, and then the athletes themselves.
0: That's really awesome because the reason why I ask is because, and I, I think I, I want to ask you about this as well, is that, there are still some studies out there you know, that still kind of like counter the knee overtose concept, right? Why, why is that so prevalent when you see there's so much success with the knee overtose program?
1: Yeah. So one, from my understanding, one of the common contradictory or I wouldn't say contradictory opposing arguments is that long-term the full knee bend would lead to uh, greater levels of arthritis, like osteoarthritis. Sure. Uh, because of like the range of motion and how deep you're going, Uh, which I, I don't know if that's true, but what's weird is like we deal with a lot of people who have had arthritis for a really long time and did physical therapy, did everything under the sun, could not make it better, and then don't have any symptoms or have very little symptoms of their arthritis once they've gone through the program or done just some of the program. So I'm, I'm not sure of the other arguments to why not knees over toes. That's the one that I've heard uh, most regularly. And that one, uh, I don't know. I don't have the scientific data in terms of like the literature that would stand against it. Although there are studies that are also for knees over toes, but I do have the uh, sort of observational scientific data from seeing so many older people who have arthritis who go through the program, even just zero with no weights and then come out and are in a much better position than when they started.
0: That's awesome. That's why I was going to, one thing I came to mind while you were mentioning that is that I wanted, I was just curious, you know, what's like your, I guess, uh, the senior most client that you have, that's probably like being able to like, you know, go through the full range of motion at their age, whatever, what was the age at their at?
1: Yeah. Somewhere in the eighties. Somewhere in the eighties. Yeah. So we were eighties. We had some in the 70s. Those are the ones I can remember. I'm not sure if we've, I I feel like we've had someone in their 90s, but I'm not sure of where they're right now, like how far they got with the program and uh, what they saw. Uh, But definitely 80s. And, you know, for older people, there actually is so much less needed to make a a huge impact. Like just doing a few of the movements can drastically reduce, like the rate of mortality when falling. Cause after I believe it's 60 or 65 years old, it's almost 50%. Like if you fall, you're 50% of you are going to die. Like that's yeah. so <laughs> that's smarmy, scary. Like to, if you fall, you die. Like that's a terrible way to live. So yeah. for them, they work through a couple of zero exercises can drastically change, um, you know, the, the, their life.
0: And it's very impressive that even at that age, you're kind of able to, like, I mean, I would assume at that age, like your body's completely, like basically given up, you know, especially if you're not the fittest of persons out there. And then in that age, if you're getting through a normal person to full range of motion and they're happy about it, and that definitely tells, like speaks volumes to that generation, to the generation that's, that's coming up. So what is one of the like common mistakes that you see? You know, As you, one of the things you already mentioned earlier is that people always like, don't let themselves heal. They're always like, you know, doing the program at the same time, uh, doing their sport, right? What is another common mistake or some of the common mistakes that you see when people are going through the, the zero, the, the standard and the dense.
1: Yeah. So big one, big, here are a few. So the, they don't send in their form videos. Like if they're on the program, they won't send in their form videos. So then they don't get coached and, but they're not seeing progress. You know, it's right. one thing if you're sending them in and you're seeing progress, it's like, okay, do your thing. But if you're not seeing progress and you're not getting your form checked, you should probably do that. Uh, what we already previously mentioned, which is they're doing a sport or an activity that causes them pain. Um, what we'll describe as ego lifting, going sure. for bumping up the numbers before their their body is actually ready for it. So I break this down to like two categories, they're either chasing the numbers, or they're just too stubborn to regress when their body's telling them that, you know, hey, I'm in pain, and I need you to chill out, you know, like, it, this right. can't be sense and I would say that's probably uh, one of the bigger ones is just being willing to regress the exercises and not and be patient because i think one of the challenges and i I wouldn't really pin this as a problem but more of a challenge is because we have so many clients we get so many stories like success stories so the quicker the success story the more likely it is to come through to to your audience to our audience quickly right because and because we have so many people we do get a fair number of quick success stories sure but those are still the minority the issue right. is we have so many people that so many of them come through people come in with the idea that if they're not have one of these immediate successes, right. yeah then they're not doing the program right or it just doesn't work for them and it's like you've been doing this for six weeks you've had knee pain for five years like right. we got a bit more time so you need to have that patience and so i think the patience and the sometimes the stubbornness on regressing can be tied together because they feel like they want to be where they see everyone else is at even though not everyone else and so then they rush everything so
0: the, the, I think those two are really the, the big problems I think that goes hand in hand with like anything fitness related is that you know people start day one they see the guy next to them benching two plays and they're like okay I'm gonna you know I'm a big guy I should start doing it and then they're like oh it's not working for me so I think it goes very much with the mindset that it's kind of like humble yourself no matter where you are when you're starting anything from scratch. And I think that's a big deal when it comes to especially your health and fitness. You know, I don't think I personally realize that I don't think there, especially with this ACL rehab. I was, I was lucky enough to find my therapist, find a therapist who are triathlon athletes themselves. They have some strength and conditioning background. So. I was like, you to go to them, and, you know, their rehab process. I, I trust them. So, and it's, and I've been patient, you know, like every time I want to bump up, they're bumping up the weight as needed. But every time I try to rush up, they'll be like, yeah, you can't be doing that right now because you're not ready for it, you know? Because I've realized that when I rush it, when I'm in pain, it kind of disappoints myself that, hey, why can't I do this? And then, even though my surgery has been only three months, it seems like forever. I mm-hmm. realized that I'm like, okay, you know what? It's not been that. Long. So that mindset, like you mentioned, I guess it's very big, especially when it comes to your knees. I was, you know, cause then that's that's your thing to walk and move around. Now we talked about athletes and you know how they're more, ben- they're probably like the most and regular people that are benefiting from this. Have you dealt with any bodybuilding clients? You know, cause that's a whole different, like that's like aesthetics, you know, like huge muscles. How would that play in when it comes to like, range of motion, flexibility. And let's say, you know, some, some somebody was having like knee pains for ages. Now they want to get into KOT and, you know, get it resolved.
1: Yeah. So we do have a fair amount of bodybuilders come on the program. And I think you touched on the reason why, which is they do so much short range work and they build those muscles and they look great. Uh, but I rarely see any bodybuilders training through full range. Um, this may just be because I'm not exposed to it, but I've I just rarely seen it, uh, whether that be in-person or on YouTube or whatever. So uh, we get a lot of bodybuilders and I think they they like to do their the programs in conjunction. So they will keep doing their own program and then add ours in right. um, because it, t- it does something for them that their program doesn't, so mm-hmm. they still get the benefits of the bodybuilding they can still prepare for their competitions but at the same time they can also finally get out of pain and, and start to be pain-free which uh in, in terms of quality of, of life enhances their quality of life
0: so how would that work doesn't be like a funny question but like how would that work someone with like massive quads and massive calves trying to get that full range of motion like they, is they, there they like t- yeah stiff.
1: they tend to be stiff right. so it, it may be weird And that's maybe for a bodybuilder where the ego may come in is like, they may be huge and strong, but can't get all the way down in a VMO squat, right? With those heels elevated squats where we go down, they might not be able to do it. And so they have to hold on to something for assistance. They have to just go to the range of motion they can to start, which is more towards parallel and they can't get all the way down or they have to use a much larger angle to be able to get all the way down. So that's. Where the system comes in into being able to adapt to the client needs because if they are really stiff like for example they may be really stiff i've seen them in their hamstrings yeah. so like our elephant walks you know their hands have to be super elevated but that's where you got to start right so for them they just have to start wherever they're at
0: on that note like how does that work from client to client like for example like a full range of motion for everyone should pretty much look the same right but if they have like in their senior year, they have even soccer players, you know, people have a lot of like running to do kind of big calves or big leg muscles. What would their maximum range of motion look like? Would it be the same as just a regular person or would there be like some difference because of the muscular, the the muscular size?
1: Yeah. Essentially it would look pretty similar uh, across people. The thing is if theoretically, if your calf is stronger you should have more range of motion than someone whose calf is weaker with the caveat being if you're training through a full range of motion, right? So there are different uh, areas of like the strength curve. So let's say like a calf raise when your calf is at the lowest point, right? When your heel is at the lowest point kind of in a standing calf raise, that's the bottom then you have the middle where you're actually doing the calf raise and then you have the top where you pause at the top and then you come back down. So you may be strong through that middle and the top range, but then you can't really uh, stretch your, uh, your Achilles at all or your lower calf, your soleus, because uh, you're so limited in that range of motion at the bottom. But essentially, if everyone got to uh, strength through a full range of motion, it would look pretty similar uh, to, to one another, it wouldn't be that, that different.
0: So for the audience listening out there, just, just, just that tip right there. You know, if no matter how big you are, you still have the potential to get your full range of motion and be flexible, uh, as much as you want, you know, with the program. Now, one other thing in the program, David, is that I've noticed myself is you have your knees days, you know, like the lower body work and in between you have those, you know, the 50 arm, uh, the banded stretches, the banded pull apart and so like that. Could you touch a little bit upon like how that's going to help with the upper body mobility or upper body work?
1: Yeah. So uh, we call the band pull aparts parts kind of like the ROKP of the upper body, just a way to get blood flow in through the shoulders and through the posterior chain and the upper back. Uh, so that's why we use those. And for uh, related to athletes, like for athletes, the upper body and this is just an estimate, it's not exact, is is around 15% of your jumping and speed capability. So like when you're running sprint, you have to be able to open up your shoulders and get that elbow up super high when you're sprinting. And when you're jumping, you know, you use your arms as a sort of uh, momentum building. So the more limited in range of motion, the less momentum you can build. And it will limit how fast you can run or how you, how you can jump. So we typically train that so that you can have the full range of motion. Now, for the average person, the same thing is true, except uh, less related to your performance and more so just your daily life, uh, walking around with a super tight chest or super tight traps or super tight mid back. These can have various effects. Um, In terms of neck pain or shoulder pain, things that just inhibit the way you can live daily. So, in terms of their relation to knees, there's always going to be some correlation because the body is interconnected. So, it is possible that a problem both affects your shoulder and affects maybe your hip, which then affects your knees, right? So, it, it is important to take care of the entire body as a system. Uh, it's just we put the priority is going to be on the hip and
0: below, and that's very really interesting because when I saw that program first and when I heard about knee order for the first time, I'm like what it's just like only lower body program. And when I got into the program myself, I was like, no, there's actually like a balance, you know. Like sure, it's focused on you know your calf raises, your elephant walks, and your quads and everything. But the next day you go into like there's like a little bit of the mobility work with the band and stuff. I'm like, there's definitely like this is going to play a role in like how your body reacts as a whole. So. It's a very, very cool, wholesome program that's definitely showing a lot of benefits. Now, one thing is that really like probably is going to stick out to the audience and like even cross my mind is that, sure, the Knee toes program is successful. It's an entire knee plan. But what is the building point? Like, what is the primary focus? Is it strength or is it uh, mobility? Is it the complete range? Like, where did it start from for you to be able to build on to like all three phases and go through it?
1: yeah so the big ones i'd say was the philosophies we call strength through length and building from the ground up so um it's common what we would call is uh reverse christmas tree is a very common way of building the body nowadays reverse christmas tree means like in a christmas tree right the base is super wide and it gets narrow to go to the top okay so if you think of the base like your legs and the top like your upper body a lot of training is reverse. They put the most Mm -hmm. emphasis on the upper body and then they put very little emphasis on your lower body. So we want to build you from the ground up. So that starts with your feet, with your calves, then moving into your quads, your hamstrings, your hips, then up into your core, shoulders, back, neck, all of that that stuff. So basically we want to work with nature, right? You should be stronger in your lower body than you are in your upper body because you want to be able to support what's going on up top so that's how we build you from the ground up is things like rokp the reverse sledding or reverse walking the calf raises the tib raises the tibialis raises those are building your lower leg right so we start with those every workout day then we move into the patrick steps and split squats which are going to work quads and hips um before you know we work we go into stretching so then that's the second one which is strength through length which is the idea that Uh, building strength through the full range of motion. So if we go through our programs, right, it goes zero, then dense, then standard. So zero is the foundation. It is building that your body more in proportion with that um, building from the ground up. But it's also a third principle, which just comes into mind now, which is the structural balance, meaning evening out the sides as much as possible. Right. Because in- it's a lot of people have severe imbalances between right and left side sure. and that does increase your risk for injury. So what we're trying to do in zero is give you that that base of your legs being somewhat even, you know, even enough to minimize the risk of injury that you're starting to have more strength in your lower legs as compared to your upper body. And then that you have a full range of motion that you
0: can work through. So that and and I think one of the one of the really cool things you said is like you know how is like building because I never knew that the reverse walking was so much effective. You know, like it had its own thing. The T bells races, and I know that in your program, like Ben has it, but I think there's also alternative of the of the monkey feet. You know, the <laughs> uh, the equipment that people use for their hip flexor. You know, so so that's like that's like very intriguing to me as an outsider because these are the things that when when you break it down. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing it. I'm doing it fine. But when it comes to like deliberately doing it, that's when I start seeing issues. You know, that's when I'm like, oh, I can't run this direction. I can't cut this way. I can't move this way. So how does this all this play into being a, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't able to go through the all three stages of the program because of my surgery, but how does this play into like being a, let's say as an athlete, right? You want to be more explosive, you want to be able to get a good vertical how does it factor in? Do you have like in your program certain workouts, or is just like loading up the similar workouts with more weight that's gonna just strengthen it?
1: Yeah. So we have what we call general standard numbers. And there's a percentage of your body weight that we would recommend just for the everyday person, just in terms of um, as we would call it bulletproofing, but being protected, being sure. relatively protected from injury, yeah. and then athletic numbers, like world-class athlete numbers. Um, and these are all based on what Poliquin, Charles Poliquin, who's a legendary strength coach, yeah. Ben yep. trainer, uh, would describe as the structural balance of the body. So how strong are your quads versus your hamstrings? How strong is your left side versus your right side? You know, all these numbers that he f- figured out, uh, it's based on those principles. So we have those numbers for athletes who want to go beyond the standard numbers. So for instance, Split squats, if I'm remembering correctly, is uh, 25% of your body weight in each hand, so 50% of your body weight, Sure. but it's in relation to, okay, you're at 50% body weight with your split squats, and you're able to do 100% of your body weight on poliquin step-ups, right? Sure. So be- you should be stronger in that top range than you are in, in the medium or it. the bottom, yeah. so though they're, co- they're together, they work together. You would want that ratio of basically like two to one strength in the top range versus the middle and the bottom of the split squat versus the, the polyquin step up.
0: Yeah. Because as an athlete, I would assume that, you know, sure range of motion is cool. You know, being able to lift squat 400, 500 pounds is cool, but that's the end for them. The end result is to be able to perform in their sport, you know, and if that's helping yep. them through these numbers and that that's a very unique perspective that they're getting themselves anyways. Now, what are some of the uh, what are some of the common injuries that, you've seen people come because of, to the KOT program. And also has there anything that, I mean, of course, from people's carelessness or anything that they're not paying attention to, has there any been issues that you've heard that people have during the program itself?
1: Mm. So the common issues is say patellar tendonitis, mm. recovering from meniscus or ACL injuries, um, uh, Achilles tightness or issues um let me think patellar ten- hamstring stuff hamstring yeah hamstring either tendinopathy or just like they have super weak hamstrings and they're always hurt um shin splints
0: okay yeah <laughs>
1: yeah shin splints is a uh, is one let's see there's there's definitely more like some sciatic pain issues you know um i'd say th- those are the most common with patellar tendonitis definitely in my estimation with all the people I've seen, it's like the takes the cake. Like we have the most people who have patellar tendon issues.
0: Right. And uh, what was,
1: there was a second part to your question. Yes. The right. second
0: part was like these people, when they come to a program and I know that as we talked about earlier, they don't see immediate progress, but do they like face any dis- difficulties and issues? Like, do they like, does any of any part of it make it worse for them? Or do they like get a new injury or a new pain going through the program?
1: For some people it has, it has, um, they've either, either it hasn't gotten some, for some people it hasn't gotten better. Right. Um, and so we've had to work harder with those individual clients to figure out what, what is actually going on? Why isn't it getting any better? What are we missing? Sure. For other people, it's like they're coming with a left knee issue their left knee becomes okay and they're good. And then their right knee starts to bother. So those are like really interesting to, for us to figure out as best we can, why is that happening? Because the, in one sense, the program's working because their left knee started feeling better. But then uh, at some level it was too much for their right knee. And right. so the question is, you know, is that coming from a weakness of the quads compared to the hamstrings? Is that coming from uh, their hips? You know, is that coming from their feet? So there, there have been definitely instances of those certain situations and we have to work harder to, to try and figure out what's going on with them. And there have been people who just it just hasn't worked for them in the time that they stayed with us. Mm. They couldn't. It, it just didn't work. And so, you know, we we did what we could sure. It didn't work out. So then they move on and they try something else or they, they find something that works for them or they continue their search to find What works for them they may come back and try it again at a different phase and and see if it works better um so yeah it's definitely uh there's because we're a general program right we give general programming yeah there there is a level of depth that has to be sacrificed in order to serve that many people so for some people they require their their challenges require an individualized program From a personal coach so they have to go get that because in order to serve the amount of people we have we have to sacrifice some of that
0: yeah i mean i would imagine you know like getting every single one of them a personal coach would not probably be a feasible option and in terms of time as well you know it's like i mean you're already watching the videos so i'd assume that that's kind of like something and i appreciate you being honest about that too because some people would probably then you know like it's a foolproof plan there's like nothing wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i kind of find it hard to believe no matter what program it is because there's not one thing that works for everyone there's just not true for anything anything in life really you know it's just yeah. how, how it is
1: 100 percent. there's nothing that works for everyone um as ben and i have talked about we'll say it's not a perfect plan sure. uh, but we know it works really well for most people meaning it, it may not solve all your issues but it's likely to, to put you in a better place when you leave it than when you started.
0: Sure, absolutely. And now, what are, what are some of your, I know there's like, again, we have the three programs, you know, zero, dense, stand, and standard. What are some of your own favorite workouts? I know you made a post the other day that you were doing some dense stuff, you know, like you're kind of like starting again. A lot of the ATG coaches that I see, even Ben himself, like they're kind of like repeating the cycle of zero dense standard, zero dense standard. What are some of your favorite, or cause or I would say what's your favorite phase or the uh, out of all three
1: Yeah I think uh, I'm really liking so we have zero dense standards and then we have a bonus advanced zero program which is new and it incorporates a lot of the slant board work but in building on kind of the zero exercises uh, I've enjoyed that one I'd say my favorite is standards because standards is the most uh, like lower reps, Uh, kind of like five by five or working in this where like you're working for more strength and like output of strength in the moment. And like my personality is I like to go hard quick and then be done. Yeah. Whereas dense is a lot of, uh, as as its name implies, it's dense. So there's like lower, uh, higher reps with lower weight. I just like the challenge of standards. Um, I love split squats and Nordics and VMO squats, things like that. Uh, so yeah, for me personally, based on my personality standards is my favorite. I just like to kind of get in the gym and, and go hard. Like right now I'm really excited about the weighted dips and weighted chin ups. Right. Uh, I had been just doing them body weight and I had really been at the standard of just 10 sure. rep body weight for a long time. Sure. I went to Florida recently to visit with some of my coworkers and I did a workout with them where we actually use the weight. And so okay. now I'm excited to like, to, to really just go, I mean, I was neurologically so fatigued. I was so tired afterwards, but ignited that sort of like competitiveness in me to, to want to like master and just dominate those exercises. So I would say standards is my favorite. Yeah.
0: And just to touch on that, like, I think that's a very, very, especially in athletic programs, weighted dips or weighted chin-ups are probably the most overlooked of anything. I don't think people realize how much that uh, affects your entire core, your upper body strength. So that's really- uh or was sore for like
1: three days after the weighted and weighted
0: dips yeah, yeah I, would, I wouldn't be surprised because when i did them first time and uh i was just like you know i was just doing regular uh dips and chin up so when i did a weighted so we would uh i worked with a trainer out here and we would do like a, a set of uh i think it was like a plank or like uh like uh tuck-ins you know and we would go into a weighted chin up right after so that would just like completely burn my core because now I just focus on core for like 30 seconds, whatever. And now I'm going to using my entire core to get my body up. So that's definitely something that people out there, if you haven't tried, it, you know, just give it a try. You know, it's, it's something that will kind of like humble you and, and put you, make you realize, you know, where your where your actual strength stands. Now, I know that the starting point for people when they come into the program is zero. Now, are there certain clients, like, athletes for example right who are like kind of beyond the zero phase you know they have good mobility because of course they have like people working on them they have massage therapists and so on what is like starting what is the starting point for certain clients you know like those kind did it start with dense directly or does every single client have to start from zero
1: no so a lot of them will start from dense or their request to start from standards Um, we recently made a change where we used to be really strict about at least starting people on zero, unless they were an athlete, then we would let them start where they wanted. But most people, we would make you start on zero, sure. do a couple of workouts, and then you could ask to move on. But then we refined the system to make sure that like each program is regressable and scalable to your level. So now it's really just about how do you want to go through them? Because now we'll let anyone go to any program because they can safely scale that exercise back to their sure. level. Now, now we still think it makes sense to go zero-dense standards just because they build on each other, yeah. but it's up to the client if they
0: want to go that route or not. So there's no, like, as of right now, there's, like, no, like, I know it's, like, six, 12 weeks, I think, per, per, rate? We recommend 12 weeks. On yeah, each, yeah, so, but there's no, like, a, uh, like, for example, if I started the program again, and I'm, like, the four weeks, and i am like, hey, I think I'm feeling good. I, can I jump on the standards? So that's something that I can do it on my own and then go from there.
1: Yep. Then we just assign you standards and that would be your new program.
0: Okay. Awesome. David, thank you so much for, you know, giving me the time and, and being on here. It was really like an eye opening for myself and I'm pretty sure the audience is going to, you know, put, incorporate some of these things in their day-to-day. And I really hope that they do. And this myth about knees over toes goes away. Now, one question I do have for you is that, is there a person dead or alive that you would want to train with? Or you wouldn't want to be like, Hey, if I could train this guy or train with him, either are.
1: Uh, yeah, I would love to train to, I would love to see how he trains right now and then train him it would be
0: Cristiano Ronaldo. I was thinking for some reason, I knew you were going to mention his name. I don't know why I had it. I, I wouldn't
1: see it because I mean, his, the way he's kept in shape is amazing at his age, 36 going on 37. And I mean, obviously his body looks fantastic, but it performs right. It produces. Yeah. yeah. And a big thing is the guy doesn't miss very many games you know he's usually at all the matches playing and uh the left and right contemporaries the highest players are not doing that you know for for instance another one of my favorite players is Neymar he's yeah. injured every other week yeah. so it's like crazy you know like Ronaldo somehow is there all the time so it would be awesome to be able to train with him and and see what he's doing and then maybe you know make my input here or there to to give him some exercises
0: Definitely. And hey, I mean, uh, the Ronaldo has a, his next level of discipline. You know, I mean, I'm not going to blame Neymar for being injured because uh, if you're into soccer, you know, you would know that the Brazilian culture is very much relaxed, you know, like the party and they're not. So that definitely is going to play a factor in how your body responds to a lot of things. And one of the really interesting things about Ronaldo, which I found recently, is that his training has some different elements to it. You know, he has a training aspect which is just focused on his ankles. Like he has these bands that he puts and he's like moves the ankles around, strengthens and like just keep working on an ankle, you know? And that was very interesting. That was very interesting to me because you don't see a lot of athletes putting in that work, you know, maybe like, sure. LeBron James, who has like a million, who spends like a million dollars on his body every week, every, every year or so on. Like that is what kind of separates them. You know, like they're working on every single body part, you know, and then you have the freaks of nature, like, uh, Adam Mataore, who is from uh, yeah. Wolf, right? Yeah. He is. He might as well go and compete in a bodybuilding show, right? But, but he's a soccer player. You know, I mean, these are the kind of people that, when you look at the training, pretty sure something different comes out of it. Yeah. So David, now just before we wrap up, now if someone wants to train with you, someone wants to learn from you, where can they find you?
1: Okay, so on Instagram, that's my primary source of content. So it's at knee. K-N-E-E Freedom. Uh, you can find me there. Athletic Truth Group and Ben Knees Over Toes Guy are also there. Uh, if you reach out to me there or follow me there in my bio is a link to our website where you can see the programs that we have been talking about, zero dents and standards. You can get a sense of what does the coaching look like and you can see all the client wins and we've recently added you can break it down by issue dealt with. So if you or someone who has patellar tendonitis. You can see wins from real people who have done the program and gotten rid of their patellar tendonitis. All
0: right, David, thank you so much for coming on. And we look forward to, you know, hosting you with more, more knee issues in the future. Okay, thank you, Rafi. Thank you, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please make sure to subscribe or follow on Spotify. It's 2325Fitness, 2 o three wo 5 fitness and if you have any questions you can email us at 2325.fit at gmail.com that's the numbers 2325.fit at gmail.com if you're interested in personal training and getting yourself coached or in getting yourself in a better shape please feel free to reach out Accepted clients for february 2022 thank you